on this episode of Quantum Week, October 3rd through 9th, 1993. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year. We talk about movies and music and headlines and our stories. And uh, today we are in the beginning of October 1993 with The Bronx Tale and Wicked Garden by Stone Temple Pilots. And we have a very special guest with us today. It's Jeff Native, host of The Sit Down, a Mafia History Podcast. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. I, uh, as I told you guys, I'll tell anyone that's out there listening, this is the one of the better ideas I've heard for a pod. I'm really captivated by the idea. And when you told me uh, you wanted me to come on, and you kind of told me we'd be talking about a Bronx tale. I was very excited. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, I was telling Chris before the show, too. I just uh, started listening to your podcast this week, too. I listened to the Whitey Bulger episode. I wanted to start with something I was, I mean, I'm not that familiar with, but a little more familiar with just because of, you know, Boston right. and the area. And it's yeah. excellent. I really, I really Thank like you. how you do it. You're super smart with it. You tell a great story. So I'm hooked. I'm a listener. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Yeah. You know, we, uh, I had the idea. I didn't know if it would really take off. It's just always been kind of a, you know, something I really enjoy. I've always kind of liked to research it, even from when I was a kid. And, you know, I know a lot of good stuff, a lot of compelling stuff. And we wanted to tell a story. And, and I've been really pleasantly happy with the uh, with the response. And we try to tell you stuff probably you know, but then there's a lot of stuff that people don't know. And, um, you know, the mob genre, there's a lot of people out there that just, I think, generally have the facts wrong. Um, so I'm happy to do it. Uh, we think it could be a big thing and, um, it's kind of just the beginning. So I thank you for, uh, for checking it out. And, uh, yeah, if you like mob history, I think America's always been, con- uh, kind of, they've always enjoyed the outlaw and, and, yeah. and fascinated by that. So yeah. Uh, uh, thank you for the kind words. Yeah, of course. I'm all in too. I think it's great. I'm a big mafia mob movie guy. Um, but honestly, like my knowledge of the realities of it are lacking. So I listened to your the Jimmy DeGent episode uh, yeah. you did. That's where I, that's the first one I did. I listened to. It. I loved it. I was hooked immediately. I listened to the uh, the uh, Giganti one, the Chin. Yeah. Uh, and then today I want to talk to you a little about this before we get into a Bronx Tale. Yeah. On your most recent episode, the one you put out today, um, uh, the Savage. What's the first name of the uh, the guy? Kabani Savage. Yeah. 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 So I. Uh, but the thing I want to talk to you about was up top of that episode, the Sopranos uh, trailer com- came out uh, for for. Uh, the Many Saints of Newark, uh, the movie coming out October 1st uh, on HBO Max and in theaters. And me and you, I think, had the same reaction, which is the minority opinion, is that we are both huge Sopranos fans. We've been talking on Twitter back and forth. We are both obsessed. And both of us are very lukewarm on this idea. And both of us, I think, are very lukewarm on this trailer. Is that Mm. accurate? Yeah, you know, in this in the genre that I'm that I'm doing now with with this mob show, like I get the question all the time about The Sopranos and is it the best show ever, all that stuff. And I've always put The Sopranos in the wire on different levels than everything else. Sure. And I've always said I think the one thing that sets the wire apart from The Sopranos is The Sopranos was a bit too long to me. I thought there were certain storylines by the end of the show that were just just too much. I, I didn't need the Cleaver episodes and some of that stuff and. One thing I always loved about The Wire and the creator of The Wire is that he always said that 
the show had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And when you add stuff, there's too much stuff. We're not going to do prequels or sequels. There's not going to be any movies. It's a story that was told. It's a story that's done, and we don't need to, to, to beat it up anymore. And I just felt like The Sopranos was a story that I didn't really need a prequel or a sequel to. Um, obviously, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to check it out. But, um, you know, I, I think there are certain things that just don't deserve to be touched. And I'm not a big uh, – prequel sequel guy anyway i, I think sometimes you have to just no there just has to be one version I'm like i don't need a I, real quick i don't need another bronx tale like what happens to see after the fact i i, <laughs> I don't need that you know no I, I'm, I'm with you 100 especially prequels to me it a lot of suspense for me is kind of taken out because you know what's gonna happen i know it's gonna happen yeah. obviously you know the maybe the greatest prequel ever is godfather 2 the stuff with de niro uh as as Vito's younger man so there are obviously exceptions and this might be great. I mean, David Chase is great. I love Sopranos. I'm going to obviously watch it October 1st, just like Jeff. Yeah. Like, um, I know I'm all in. I'm going to watch it, but I'm really nervous. I don't know if I've ever in recent memory wanted something to be good this bad. I'm like, yeah. or I'm really on eggshells <laughs> about it. Uh, I know you had some issues with the casting. So did I. Um, I might even uh, even do a supplement episode uh, on this show on the Patreon oh, to, sure. to review the movie. That's how that's how exciting when it comes out. Let's do that. Um, but uh, luckily, Chase is in charge of it, which is great. Right. right. I mean, you'd have to imagine he'll do a nice job with it. But like I also said on the show, like I don't know about you guys, but some of those like flashback episodes were like my least favorite of the show. Like there's an episode in season one, Down Neck, where it's about Tony's youth. And like, I guess I just wasn't that interested. Maybe because he's like a little kid in that, but, and he's a little older in this. But I will say the first 15 seconds with Tony's kid, the Ganofini's kid playing him, his mannerisms are pretty fascinating. So I I guess I'm, I'm getting there with it. I just, I'm not a big prequel sequel guy. No, but we can get into Bronx Tale now, which obviously is neither of those things. Uh, and in my opinion, Bronx Tale is a very good movie. It just misses great for me, though. Hmm. Uh, I figured that I'd be the one that would beat this one up more than you two. Oh no! Going in. No, I think it's good. I think it's good, not great. Uh, but if you're if you're saying it's almost great, that means like a minus for you. I would yeah. go B. There's some. So I like. There's a lot of it that I really like, but some of it is. You can tell he's a first time director. Yes. He messed up some 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 things that really annoyed the shit out of me and and broke me out of it a few times, but. Why don't we talk about, maybe we can talk about the good stuff first, and then I'll beat it up a little bit more after that. Sure. Uh, Jeff, what do you like about it? Jeff, or, you love this movie. Uh, this is one of your all-time yeah, favorites, I, right? I've said um, before on record, it's my favorite movie ever made. Oh, I wow. Think it's the best. I think it might be one of the better gangster films ever made. I think it's very realistic as far as a neighborhood and kind of how each neighborhood kind of has a designation, and, and there's families in certain neighborhoods, and... I like the racial aspect of it. I thought that was fascinating in the 60s. And I, I just think there's so many iconic scenes. And yeah. I, I think, and I'm sure you'll get into it, we'll get into it. There there are parts of it that that I found a little rushed, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I love the film. I, I, I've i seen it many times. And, uh, I, you know, it, it, I've also seen the play as well, which is very good in its own right. So Does Chaz act in that it. too? Or do you, how have you seen it? He, he actually... He's the only actor in it. He acts all the parts out. Oh. It's pretty pretty incredible, actually. They did have it on Broadway as well with a full cast. But yeah. Yeah, exactly what Jeff is saying is right. When they based this movie, it was a one-man show, and, and Chaz Palminteri did everything, and, it, and De Niro saw it and was just completely blown away. Yeah, that's one thing that I really like is the writing in this in uh, in this movie. It's very good. And, uh, and he, I mean, he did an excellent job, as, as was the acting. Like, he, he did an excellent job as, uh, he's, he's, as well, actor on De Niro, too. Well, Palminteri, this is his... Basically, loosely based on his own life, he's actually 
the young C character. That that actually happened in his real life. The guy being shot in front of him. And some of it's a little dramatized. But sure. I, th- I think that's what I love about the film. It is just very authentic. Like, the Eddie Mush character was a real person. He was based off a real person. So I, I think for me, that's what I love about certain mob films, that they're, they're organic and they're not like these forced, like, goofy portrayals. Um, I thought it was really authentic. I, I felt the, the same Bronx. way, especially about The Neighborhood. I felt like it was a, it was a world with a lot of colorful characters, but it was completely – it was like an island. And I think it, it's probably how it was for those people. I think a lot of those people probably didn't leave their, their very small neighborhood. I did live in New York City uh, for a bit of my life, and uh, some people never left that neighborhood, never left that – especially the older folks really didn't leave that area um, where uh, – so, you, yes, you had a wide – you were never bored – Basically, the whole movie kind of takes place over just you know a few blocks in the Bronx. You're never bored because there's so many great characters. Right. But these people really are uh, on. I mean, they're on, you know they're not literally, but it's figuratively on an island. Um, and, and it feels that way. It feels like this is their entire universe is on these these city blocks. It's also mature writing too, where there's no one real hero character. Like everybody has mm-hmm. their own issues. Maybe De Niro's character is the one kind of his, but he's still kind of bigoted anyway. So he does have a little bit of of the, the negative to it. There's no one real hero. There's one, no one real, real neg where in a, in a, like a, in a, in a lesser movie, you would see Chaz's character be, or Sonny, you know, be a, just a total bad guy asshole, but he's really, he's not, he's like a, he's, he's a little bit of an alternate father figure for him. Yeah. I mean, he saves, sees life. He does. Yeah. In certain points of the movie, you know, and he gives he, him good advice throughout the movie. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah. that that's exactly, and he it's kind of you know obviously the father wants him to stay away because he knows the, the 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 life that would be, but you know obviously being that close as he says in the movie, it's 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 hard to stay away from stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, I, the hero is definitely the father for sure. He is, yeah. You know, he ultimately you know makes it the whole way through, and and it, he does as well. I, my favorite out. scene in the movie is with with De Niro as the father, and it's at the boxing match. Yeah. Um, I felt like that was so real, uh, and everyone handled it incredibly authentically. And it's a, it's a tribute. There are, De Niro makes some mistakes in this movie. There's some continuity errors. There's some other stuff. There's some casting stuff I don't love. De Niro isn't a, is a first-time director. Right. But, man, does he handle emotion so well. He does. And that scene uh, where, you know, basically, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, they're in kind of, they're in kind of the bleachers. They're in kind of the, the shittier seats at this Nosebleeds. Bo- boxing match. The nosebleeds. And uh, the Sonny, the, the big mob boss, basically has them, if they want to come down, they can go sit in closer. Right. And you can tell that uh, C, the son, wants to go, but he's being a good son. He's not embarrassing his dad. He stands up for his dad when it's like, hey, do you want to come down? He's like, no, we're happy right here. But you can see the anger and uh, just, I, you know, Rob De Niro's character is, he's hurt. I he's mean, really he tried hurt. to do a nice thing with his son to bring yeah. him to the boxing match, but even that got kind of fucked up. And... It, it, everyone kind of has their own angle on it, but everyone's angle is right. And no one's doing a bad thing, but yet everyone's feelings are hurt. Yeah. Every single character in that scene's feelings are hurt, but yet no one did a wrong thing. That's really hard to pull off. It's also kind of amazing to show that De Niro will never match Sonny in one way. And that's like the money, the right. the power, that stuff. But in every other way he can measure. But that, but he, because he knows he... He, it's not like he's failing, but he sort of fails that way. He can't be that but for Sonny his son. Can't it hurts be, him. But Sonny can't be De Niro's exactly. character. He can't be the dad because exactly. it's not his blood. So, right. But I think at the end, he realizes that they were a lot more similar than he never really gave Sonny a chance. Not that he should have, but, you know, I think he also had, almost has to he got. He almost has to thank Sonny, though, in a way, he doesn't does. he? He does I at mean, the end. Absolutely. He has a lot more respect for Sonny at the end of the movie than he does throughout. Yeah. 
I mean, saved his kid's life. Like, what, yes. what more you can? What more can you ask? And ultimately, he must have known that Sonny was trying to steer him, to teach him good lessons, but st- and and to have self respect and to you know not to get bullied and all that stuff. But also that he should not be anywhere near that life. De Niro, the director, does a okay, do good job in this. It's all right. De Niro, the actor in this, is fantastic. He's awesome. I mean, the scene when uh, in the beginning of the movie when uh, after uh, Little C sees the guy get shot, which is actually really well shot. That was a really good scene. That scene's because great. it's not played up too much. It just happens out of nowhere. It's like holy yes. shit! And then uh, you know the cops go to the door, and you just see the fear on De Niro's face, and he handles it so well. Not there's not a lot of dialogue in that scene. That's no. people are speaking their true uh, thoughts, but yet everyone's behaving honestly. It's really well done. I totally agree. I think one of the things, though, that I, I, I did find lame is, like, in real life, they're never going to line you up on the street. No. no. Like, like that was one. There, there are two things about the movie that I that I always never understood. That scene and then whatever happens to C's mom I know. throughout the movie. Right. I, that that was something I – because she was actually kind of an integral part of the movie Absolutely early on. was. Yeah, she was like the devil like, on De Niro's shoulder a little bit. She wanted she the money. She, she you know, yeah. if he was willing to go that direction, she would have. It's a real. That's a real problem with with the script, I guess. Uh, with with the mother being gone, and then with the lining up in the street. I think the reason they had that was because this was a play initially, and a lot of times you'll have cheats in a play where you'll do something that wouldn't normally take place somewhere yeah. just because it just fits in, rather than have to do a whole set change. So I think that. That lineup scene is a victim of uh, this used to be a play. But then that's De Niro's responsibility to, to say is, that. And like, look, we're, we're, we're a movie now. We can drive to the police station. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's 100% De Niro's fault. There were a few misses. I also, the, the other issue is every time um, the kid is in a scene with either Chaz uh, or De Niro, which is a, uh, the, um, young, young C. Yeah. Young, uh, well, a 17 year old C. Okay. 18 year old C. The older C. Older C. He does a good job when he's with mature actors. When he's not with mature actors, he is a little cringy, particularly with the Jane character. That Those are some rough scenes. Really rough scenes. Yeah, it was it Lily Bron- Lilio Broncato, right? That's his name? Uh, he yes, was in Sopranos. Right. Uh, yeah, he plays Matt Bevelacqua. Lilo is, uh, real quick, Lilo's actually a, I wouldn't say he's a fascinating guy, but, and I, I don't want to go on like a whole rabbit trail oh, about this. Oh, do what you need. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was a kid that was discovered. Random casting agent found him on Jones Beach, I think, in New York somewhere. They did an open casting call. De Niro wasn't exactly sure if the kid was good enough. He starts reading. Um, you know, he gets the role. I agree. I think, like, the staring scene on the bus is a little, yeah. I don't know, it's kind yeah. of irritating. But he actually, you know, after the film, would go on and act in The Sopranos, as as you guys alluded to. He actually, this is kind of wild, he becomes a, a drug addict in real life. Yeah. Um, and he starts kind of descending into heroin and, you know, the club lifestyle. He's, he's a celebrity in a way. And he actually, in a really sad story, they rob a home in New York City. An undercover officer hears this during the middle of the night, and him and the cohort that he was with actually killed the cop. Ugh. He actually did 10 years in prison. He got out recently, and Paul Monteri to this day will not communicate with the kid, and there's been a whole thing about it. And it was almost like the movie, in a way, kind of became like the saddest thing in life is wasted talent. And she actually became wasted talent, in a way, in real life. But I agree. I think that. His cringiness was just the fact that I think he was kind of a first-time actor, yeah, or whatever. But yeah, and he's young, and you could tell that he's got talent there because when he's with adult actors who know what they're doing, I mean, some of the best 
yeah. who know what they're doing, like he he can kind of he can he can handle it. And you see the talent Sopranos, but obviously he's working with guys like Gandolfini, right. you know, right, like right, right. And, and so those scenes, those and, and Imperioli, those scenes work. Um, I think the other issue is the is the girlfriend, Terrell Hicks, plays yeah. Jane. She's very weak. Yeah. Um, I don't think she does a good job at all. I think she, it's really it's it's it really takes me out of the movie almost every almost every line of dialogue was just read either too soft or it just didn't feel right. And I don't know if that's De Niro's fault as a first time director uh, or if it's just she's just a weak actress. It was just a casting mistake. But for, for my for my opinion, that's the worst part of the movie is that casting of her. I agree. And like if and that's where he, you know, she was spo- he would have had to lead that scene in order for it to go well. You know what I mean? She would I have know. had to kind of rise up to his level and he probably has the he probably had the chops to do it, but or maybe not the confidence. I don't know. But yeah, those scenes were were tough. They were better when it was him and the other um, teenagers, the other yeah. kids. Like some of them did pretty well. That worked, and then you know when he was with the adults, it really worked. But did some you of the scenes from? were like they're sitting on the the street. Yeah, like, yeah. Telling, like when the Mario test thing comes up, like those scenes are are quite good. You know when you know they have the kids selling the guns and, yeah. and yep. Sunny kind of comes out of nowhere. They're good, but I agree. Some of the cringy scenes are involving Hicks, you know, Terrell Hicks, and and Brancato and. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I Jeff, agree I have a that. question for you. Um, yeah. So, I don't. I when I'm watching it at home now, I don't have the mafia knowledge you do, and that's a big reason I wanted you on this episode. I don't know if I buy that A C would date a black girl and B that Sonny would be okay with it. That seems a, a way too far. Now, am I just am I just in too cliche in this, or were mafia guys more open minded than I'm giving them credit for? Yeah, back then? I, I think. Look, I, I, there were some racist mafia people for sure i mean we we did an episode of our show on a guy greg scarpa i mean he was and this was a guy that literally had to get a blood transfusion he wouldn't get a blood transfusion because he worried that (laughs) minorities would would be donating and weirdly enough he actually contracts aids after he gets an underling to donate blood to him oh my gosh and the guy has hiv he's a bodybuilder um so it ended up really killing him in the end but yeah there were mobsters like that but there were also mobsters that um you know regularly dated you know black females i I don't think that i found that to be pretty organic i I think sonny just kind of you know at the end of the day wanted c to be okay and happy and he kind of continued to always say you know fuck those kids you know half of them are going to end up dead or in jail um and and i think you know i I don't look sonny's wasn't a hero per se in the movie but to answer your question i I, yeah I, i think it's not common for sure but um but yeah, as gumadas and stuff, you know, side pieces. Yeah, I, I think mobsters definitely, definitely had minority girlfriends. Sure. All right. And All right. I also think like he, you saw it throughout that he he went his own way. Like he wouldn't have listened to a crowd anyway. So it, it made sense. That Sunny he, or C? Sunny. Yeah. Sunny would have just like this. These are my own personal but it's still morals. Like, like, you know, you watch, it's tough. You, you watch like Sopranos and they're like, this is the racism yeah. is so open and other mob movies I've seen, but. Well, if you remember Hash, actually in Sopranos, he would only he would only date that's right black females. And but Paulie also if you remember had too, black the, this, the father in Bronx Tale, he was against it. If you remember, yep. he was. Yeah, he kind of said, "No, that's not what we do." You know, I, I you know, whatever. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. The other thing I really liked you made, you uh, referenced the uh, the gun scene earlier, where the you know the the teenagers are are buying guns. What I really liked direct, and I don't know if this was so much script or direction, but maybe it's a combination of the both is you see the descent into madness from these kids. Like, first they start with their, like, their racist stuff. They're sitting around and they're saying racist things. Then they get to a point where they're hit, they're, like, beating up black kids who come into their neighborhood. Then they want to buy a gun. 
and then and and now it's now it's bombs. Now it's making bombs, right? So you see that kind of descent into violence, you know, over the course of the of the movie. I think I think they did a really good job showing because it couldn't have jumped, right? You know what I mean, from kid to like going and murdering a bunch of people. But if you see that progression, it's totally believable. The scene with them in the car and one of the kids is smoking the Molotov cocktails oh sitting there underneath him. It is really suspenseful. Dino yeah. does a really good job, once again, it's capturing that emotion, yeah. capturing that, that feeling, that intensity. Um, for, you know, he's such an intense actor. It's probably not a surprise that he can direct with such an intense fashion with, with some of those scenes. It's re- really well done. I wish there any other directed more. He only directed two movies. Actually, and the second one is pretty good. I've seen it. Good it's Shepherd, right? Good Shepherd. Yeah. It's, it's a good movie. I think, I think he learned some things by then. This is probably a better movie. This is a better movie. But he's a better director then. Hmm. It's just a more it's okay. So here's some here's some like when I think of for there are there are scenes where he's way too on the nose. Like there's the do in the beginning of the movie you see kids playing baseball and every time they make a hit it's a hit in the in the audio. Mm-hmm. He does that a second time where there's a hit in the audio. It's this duop song and hit when they're doing this like they jump over bop, each other. Bop. Yes, exactly. He does it like twice. No, once is enough. There's another one where um, in the bar fight, right before the fight happens, you hear a record scratch and they point to the jukebox. There's no, that's not what that sounds like. A record wouldn't skip like that, wouldn't scratch a needle like that and that thing. Those type of things are like, this way too on the nose. In fairness though, you're going, this is a movie about memories and this is C's recollection of what was happening. So I think you're supposed to this a bit of fanciful when it comes to movies about memory. Then there's Knights in White Satin when they're going to beat up the black kids, and that's like way too on the nose. It's a, that's a Ku Klux Klan song by the movie Blues, of course. Just a lot of that was happening, where it's just way too on the nose. In defense of that, this is 1993. Knights in White Satin hadn't been used as much as it has been later on. Like It was used in Sopranos, I know, but it was later used in other movies. You know, the as, as, as cliche as some of the songs they used was, yeah. like when you watch now, you're like, oh man, I've heard this song a million times in movies. It wasn't as cliche then. I'm just, I'm just a defense. Ave Maria during the funeral scene, though, that's another one, like that, another no, Italian but, cliche. Would you agree, though, the soundtrack was very good. What was that? You, the soundtrack was very good. Oh, it's so, not like it was bad. It was just too on the nose. When I just, if it, it you just thought broke it was me. too. Like, like yeah, message hammer. Organic. Yeah, you can't do. You just you can't do knights in white satin in that in that scene. Yeah, you just, you. Or the Ave Maria during that attack. I don't like mind too much. That's, But that's what's played though. I don't mind Ave Maria. All right, it's just like that. That's like gangster one hundred and one though. I just think he could have done a. I think he could have done a better job making the, making some of I those decisions. I think the goal was to be as realistic as possible. And at any funeral in in that neighborhood, they're playing Ave Maria. It's that simple. I suppose. It, you know, it's the same thing with uh, you know. You mentioned the kids. You know, kind of their descent. Yeah. I remember when I was 18, 19, I lived in South Philadelphia. Not We wouldn't fight with you know black neighborhoods, but we would fight other neighborhoods sure. all the time. I threw many bricks through windows past the statute of limitations. I can't <laughs> but no. no, like that. I think that's very real. And, you know, again, there were some things that were a little, you know, cliche, as you say. But I think... I think the goal was to be as realistic as possible for the most part. He also did another double tap, just like when he did with the with the the song hits when they were hitting. The, he did another one with the bottle throw. There was one bottle. The black kid threw a bottle throw and sees leaving the neighborhood, and then it was the same throw, same kid who threw the Molotov cocktail into the. Uh, so it was like the setup, like oh, this kid can throw well enough. 
Oh, now we're going to show him throw the Molotov cocktail into this. Ah, yeah, but now yeah, all yeah, these things are on the nose. Really that is not. That, that, yeah, that is, is very. But if I notice that, if I notice, it's a little bit heavy. If I'm noticing that, it's a little heavy. And you're noticing that you're not paying, you're not watching. I wasn't paying attention. No, I mean you're watching paying too much attention to weird details. That's, that's, that's not a thing that <laughs> pulled me out of it when he does stupid shit like that. I don't know. First time director. I don't know about that, that. That's lame. That said, it's I cool. have I have a theory I want to run by you guys. Yeah, that I that might not be very popular. I think for my money, the best decade of Robert De Niro's career, my favorite decade of De Niro is the nineties. Uh, I know a lot of people point to the seventies because of yeah. Mean Streets or Godfather Two. Some people might point to the eighties because of Raging Bull, King Comedy. But for me, if I had to pick one library to exist, I think I would choose nineties De Niro. Mm. It's my favorite it's acting. Really, it's quieter. I don't even know if it's a comparison, frankly. Goodfellas, A Bronx Tale. Casino. Oh, Casino, Casino. too. Right. Sleepers. I mean, those three are just... Sleepers. It's that, I saw you did an episode. I got to listen to I got to listen to that one. Great film, by the way. We yeah. 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 We're, that's, that's a real good yeah, one. Yeah, we're, we're both big Sleepers fans. Yeah. I, the De Niro stuff, and even other stuff like Wag the Dog, he's done a, he did a lot of stuff in the 90s, Cape Fear, that is really, yeah. really interesting stuff. And I don't think it's enough credit. Everyone points to Raging Bull, and I get it in Godfather 2. I understand that. But for me, the 90s in Euro is my favorite. Did he win an Academy Award in the 90s? He, he did, did not. He didn't, because he didn't in the 2000s. He, he either. didn't until 2010. for one, Awakening. That's bullshit. It's crazy. Oh, right, and that, he's good in Awakening. Yeah, that's the best decade yeah. of Nero. The only one, he, yeah, he didn't get nominated, which is wild. That's stupid. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. And then he sucked in the 2000s until 2010. Well, yeah, he got in those commies. And money, yeah, yeah. Money, cash grabs, right. yeah, it didn't quite work out. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, 90s in Euro. Which one? Uh, <laughs> meet the parents. Meet the, the parents. First one. Or what was the uh, Meet the parents? Meet the fire. And then the analyze this. Uh, that that didn't. I didn't that was nineties, yeah. Daniel. But uh, oh, I was that nineties. Yeah, yeah, I I loved. Uh, but I mean, I, I I don't know how you feel, Jeff. Not to sidetrack too much. I loved the Irishman. I'm a huge Irishman fanboy. I I do too. I get a lot of shit for that. Me too. Liking the film just because you know people think because I'm in the genre I'm in now. Like obviously the Irishman is not necessarily true. There's a lot of things about it that are not true, but yeah, I, I like. I thought Pesci deserved an award. I mean, he was incredible. In that Absolutely, movie. I didn't think Pacino was that great. To me, Pesci was the uh, was the standout Pesci, of that movie. P- Pacino was annoying. I thought in the me movie too. a little bit, but <laughs> Hoffa was kind of an annoying guy. So yeah. I, I know, but I just didn't think the performance was that great. And everyone was lauding Pacino. I felt up and down, but I, I don't think Pesci got enough credit. That Buffalino character is amazing. Uh, P- Pesci is a fun little cameo in this movie. Yeah. Um, he does at the end and does a great job. I mean, him and De Niro are such good friends. Yeah. Obviously, he was a favor. Um, he, I know he's in um, he's in The Good Shepherd as well, I believe, in a cameo. He is. Uh, but, uh, but he's really good. And it's a perfect, like, you totally believe that he's the new mob boss in town. Yeah. I, you totally believe that that's going to be his neighbor now. Pesci is, has such a great screen presence, you buy it. Well, and we've, I mean, we're used to him like that, too. Yes. So it makes complete sense, which was a great move, cause, you know, because, right, it just sort of triggers our memory. So it, uh, we question. absolutely accept it. What was his name in the movie? Carmine. You do, you do know. You, you did nitpick everything. <laughs> Not everything, but I, for some reason, I remember that stood out to me. I think because it was the My last scene, and right, and he he was so emphatic with with how he cur- yeah how he said it. Not emphatic. He was like it was like a slower pace how he said. It. That's why I think maybe I don't know. And that scene also just has a lot of uh, a lot of heft to it. A lot so of you are really walk, like listening to every word. I think because it's just like a, you know we know this is the end of the movie and we know that this is an important character, not one we haven't seen yet, but still one that has a lot of presence. Yeah. He was uh, he was quite good. It's a good this, movie. This might come across lame to you guys, but I'm going to say it. Most of my teenage life, I based off this film. Did you I really? used the door test on many women. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think the biker scene is iconic. Hopefully, you didn't use the Mario test on too many. No, just I did not. No, I did not. <laughs> I also will say he has a, a quote in the end. See, where they're in the funeral home, and he says. Uh, 
gangsters have this thing about flowers. They think whoever sends the biggest arrangement cares the most. And then he looks around and he goes, it was just like Sonny said. And it's almost like a soliloquy that, like, you know, you can do all this stuff and it ends so quickly. I will say the death scene, I get it. It makes sense. I don't know. It was fast. It was fast. Kind of. It felt like it, it came out of nowhere. But maybe that's just the life. The first, the like the opening death scene or, or Sunny at the end. Sunny at the end. I loved yeah. it. In fact, it brought back some memories of Sopranos. Yes. And, and in a lot of ways, Sunny is like the anti Tony. Tony's a terrible mentor to Christopher. Gives him all the worst advice. Selfish, just a complete bastard, a complete asshole. And Sunny is only gives good advice to uh, C. To C. It's like almost like the uh, the one eighty of uh, of Tony. And yes. then he, but they die in the same way. They really do. In a crowded restaurant. Back of the head. Never saw it coming. You believe Tony dies? Yeah, hardcore. You do? Oh yeah. H- how? Who would kill him? Oh, well, it, uh, my, I don't mean to go on a rabbit show here again, but it's like, I mean, you got to explain yourself. They've brutally written, you know, that one guy wrote that huge missive. But I, I think that uh, the tell like, who would have killed him? Everyone, uh, he had, he had made good with everybody. Well, I mean, we don't. There's a lot of people that maybe in New York that also were not happy beyond the Frank Vincent character. But the tell, though, is uh, in that opening. I know you call. To me, it's season six and season seven, and Larry David calls yeah. separates them as well. If uh, in the seven wall in Zeit's book. And I, I do as well. So uh, in that Sopranos home movies, which is one of my favorite episodes, Bobby Bacala says, you know, it just, you, you never see it coming. And, uh, and I think it was a for, it's a really foretelling what happens to Tony at the end. That to me is the biggest. I just, like the show is so realistic. You're never going to kill a boss in front of his family at a, at a restaurant with witnesses. I just, the mob is too, they're not going to do that. I mean, they kill now, the Frank Vincent character in a gas station. Yeah, but that's true, and that was, a, and maybe that was kind of showing. And this is that, payback for that because I've heard that same willing. argument. That's true. Um, that's a good point. I, I definitely think that's that's what happened. I definitely think that's what uh, was the intent there. Uh, I got to go to Holston's. Uh, I went to Sopranos Con a couple years ago, and I got to sit in the booth. It was very cool. <laughs> uh, one of the highlights of, of, of my life, sadly, <laughs> but it was super fun. I love that show so much. Uh, I could talk about Sopranos all day with Jeff. Um, but we probably should wrap up Bronx. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, any final thoughts on Bronx? Yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll say for me, it was just a movie of scenes. Like there were just so many iconic scenes to me and it just like the Machiavelli stuff that he talked about. And just, I don't know the, the, the characters I thought were so like compelling and, and interesting, but I, real quick off the issue, like what did, what would you grade it? Like Rotten Tomatoes says the, the out of a hundred, what do you, what are you grading? Well, it? I give it a B. So that's somewhere like 80-ish. between 80, 85, like so, somewhere that's in fair. that. I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's good. And uh, like absolutely a hard grader, so that. I don't know. It just depends on the, on the stuff. Um, it just depends. I, I could just see for some reason it just caught, there were some things that just really kind of brought me out of it. I don't know. So Bob movies, where is it in your list? Bob movies? Yeah. Oh, probably probably top five i would guess i'd no. have to think about it no i mean we've well no because because right cause, cause, casino, no, no, okay top 10 I mean, top 10 yeah right departed goodfellas yeah casino yeah probably top 10 okay and i give it an a minus uh is a very strong movie i i keep a running list of my top 100 movies this doesn't quite hit that but it's damn close it would certainly be my top 200 movies mm, yeah. um this is uh i i don't i try not to call movies great unless they truly are for me this isn't quite that but it's damn close and there's some like you said the scenes are incredible there are. the funeral scene is great yes you see no one gives a shit about him and which is exactly what sonny said but to see it happen is really it's really jarring it's powerful yeah to uh the scene you know now you can't leave i mean i know you the rec- it's a little corny with the, some of the records no scratch, but the scene but, is good but the actual yes. scene is awesome it's, it's really it awesome is wild and, yeah. it's, and they're so violent 
and you see the violence from C's eyes and you're like, holy shit, because they go a step or three way too far. That's probably the moment that he decides this is not my fucking life. Yeah, and this he hides. Not what I want. He is, hides. Which is great too because in a, in a weaker movie, he'd be the hero. He he'd would. be the guy to land the last shot or something. Right. But this movie is very intelligent. It's very yeah. complex. And all the father-son stuff. Uh, you know, every, really great. You know, it brought back some memories of my dad. It just, 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 the, just the dynamic. You know, father and son relationships are so tricky uh, just by nature. And because both want, both want have their own ideas for how things should be, but both love each other so much that yeah. uh, sometimes they, they are stubborn. It, there's, there's a lot of different levels to it. And Palminteri's script and De Niro's acting was some of the best father-son stuff I've ever seen. It's, this is a really, 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 really good movie. Yeah. All that stuff I, I can't argue with. All the scenes are, are really quite great. What, what, I might what, have it a little too high, but I don't know. I guess it's just my childhood. I just remember it so much. I've seen it so many times. Yeah. I will say I'm, I'll eventually interview Paul Monteri. I'm going to ask him what happened to the mother. I need to know where she went. Yeah. I she agree. Die? What happened to her? It is strange that she just kind she of was, fades uh, away. You know, she's a pretty popular mob movie character. She was in a yeah. lot of shows and Well, Catherine Adducci, I mean, she's Artie Bucco's yeah. wife, of course. Mm. Uh, yeah, Sopranos. I mean, Irishman, Oh, that's right. Yeah. And she's an Irishman, yeah. She's Joe yeah. Pesci's wife, right? Yeah. Uh, she, she's, she's, I mean, Catherine Adducci's, and she's also done a lot of TV, like you said, so, but but even beyond that, I don't care who the actress is playing her, honestly, the, where does the character go? Yeah, you get, Because you, we do spend that first 45 minutes with Young C, you spend a lot of time with that mother character. You do. She's always in that top window. To have her just vanish unexplained is unfortunately poor writing I, I guess i have to blame that unless something was on the editing for the nero cut that we didn't see but someone's to blame there yeah i have to i have to know it's always been a, a wonder to me um all right so let's talk two tours yeah let's do that uh real quick so uh two tours uh, is back with us all the rest of the summer the next two months wow um two tours of course you can go to two tours.com uh we've talked endlessly hopefully but we talked more about their gummies I want to talk more about the gummies. You should. Uh, these are fantastic. They are so good. I had one just last night. You're back on the gummies. I, I am. I haven't gotten off. Uh, <laughs> I am a terrible insomniac. Uh, and they, the gummies and the drops that they have, both, you can get at tutors.com, yep. uh, both help me get to sleep and help me relax better than any other product I've had. Even like alcohol. Al- it's more relaxing than alcohol. Well, alcohol has a lot of side effects. And I'm going to I do. I do enjoy alcohol oh, i've heard that about quite you. a bit yeah. uh but uh but the nice thing about the gummies and the drops are there's no payback in the morning yeah um, you don't feel like really groggy or you don't feel like there's no point where you'd feel hung over no yeah yeah no it's a much more it's much more like natural like you feel like you're naturally getting tired where i mean i've drank so much i've you know passed out in subways so like that's not that's not a natural existence like the gummies it's like much more relaxed everything just kind of slows down and you get like a calming warm sensation not hot but like a a calming warm sensation and it's great uh i can't say enough good things about the gummies i know we're going to talk they opened a new retail store we'll talk about that maybe next week yeah um uh and we we got a ton of stuff to talk about with them but you go to tutors.com get those gummies get those drops code word qw gets uh, 10 percent off free shipping so it'll come right. right to your door super convenient yeah, they literally, it, it couldn't be any easier. Couldn't be any easier. Just go uh, online, plug in your thingy, yeah, put in the code. Yeah, try it out. If you, you haven't already, uh, I know they've been with us before. They're, they're our favorite sponsor. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't already, just just get one pack of gummies. Try it. Just just try it. They're, they're, they taste good. They make you feel good. You can't lose. What else do you want? Promo code PW.
All right. Uh, Wicked Garden is the song du jour, of course, Stone Temple Pilots off of their debut album, Core. And I really, this isn't my favorite Stone Temple Pilots song, but I'm glad it came up. Uh, it'll give us some chances to talk about other songs on this album, which will definitely come up uh, if we hit this year again. Um, but it's still a very good rock song by what I consider I don't know if this is quite fair. I consider them an underrated band. And we'll, we'll absolutely t- underrated. We'll talk a little bit more about that after. But Jeff, you said that you, do you like the song? Do you like the Stone Temple Pilots? You said you had some stories. I do like the song. I, I would admit, I'm, I wouldn't put, you know, rock, alternate, alternative, grunge, all that stuff. I love all of that. Yeah. I wouldn't put it at the top of my list, but I get in moods where like I go into these kind of bands, you know, whether it's Stone Temple Pilots or like random Godsmack or, or, you know, or, you know, Nirvana or Alice in Chains. I love Soundgarden. Yeah. And there's a radio station in my area that I, I find myself occasionally listening to where they play stuff like this, you know, 90s, 2000s stuff. Scott Wheeland is terrific, man. He is. Uh, just a great vocalist. Uh, obviously, may he rest in peace. But yeah, I actually really like this song. Probably their biggest hit, right? I mean, one of their biggest hits. Uh, this was 11 on... So that, that's the interesting thing about this song. It came up... Uh, so usually what I do is I, I take the be- the uh, the biggest song, number one song on the Hot 100. And the Hot 100, you may know this, but yeah. it's uh, it's radio... It's uh, Sorry, it's disc sales, single sales. Um, but then also, then we get a little bit more flexibility on the second show. So I, if there's not a lot going on in the Hot 100, I take a look at some of the alternative charts. And so I looked on the rock chart. This one hit 11. Um, and it also it hit on the, there were two charts that it hit on. It wasn't, it, it didn't, um, it wasn't on the top 40 chart, which is record spins, because it, it wasn't really a crossover hit, but it was definitely big. On, you'd hear it on like HEB and, yeah. and all that stuff around. But they didn't re- actually release this song as a single. So they didn't, they should have because they would have made a shit ton of money from it. Um, but it was just released as a radio like demo and it, it climbed the chart. I mean, it got a lot of radio play for just this this demo. Um, it's not their biggest hit. I, I would assume. Plush or plush, lady, lady Picture Show, maybe. Yeah, probably. Right there. I think so. Maybe, I, I didn't look at what, yeah. but I would think Plush, that was all over. The, that was the first song that I heard. Yeah, that was a big one. Uh, coming from them, but I really like it. They're not so. What I like about Stone Temple Pilots is it's different. So they're always compared to Pearl Jam, of course, because it's the same kind of grunge sound. Like they're yeah. similar enough in the vocals or whatever. But I find that Stone Temple Pilots are let are more interesting. They're not. They oh, won't that's do bullshit. well. They we'll yeah, talk about this. that's a little. That's, that's, well, we'll, we'll get into that. But they do more. They do more innovative music in terms of uh, how the writing is than Pearl Jam does. But this is there's this is like as straight up rock tune as you can get. This is yeah. like their straight up rock. Well, tune. Well, their first two albums are pretty much straight up rock, and then it's waiting, yeah. and then it's a tiny music is when it changes, which I like better. My favorite album of theirs is Tiny Music from the Back. Is it really? It's not so. This song's okay. I never go back and listen to the first two STP albums. I just it's like I just. I live through the alternative stuff. Like, I also don't really like 10 by Pearl Jam. Like, I just, I love black, but I don't love the rest of this. I just not into like that kind of rock anymore. I just, yeah. I, it's like, you've got I, past it. I do. I've just done. I mean, I listened to it when it came out. I'm old enough to have listened to it when it, when it was around. So yeah. I'm just kind of done with it. But, uh, but I find myself going back to Lady Picture, uh, that album with Lady Picture Show, uh, Big Bang Baby. Yeah. That, that stuff I like, uh, a lot more, uh, than this. Album. Now, now, having said it though, this is a good rock song. It is a good rock song. I found like I didn't listen to this album as much as I listened to. 10. I listened to the sh- like the shit out of ten. Like that was my favorite album for a while. Yeah, mine for, too. For like three or four. So I, I really ki- so, I yeah. looked I kind of looked down on Stone Temple Pilots as a, as a knockoff Pearl Jam. But actually, when I'm looking at the albums now, 
the I would take the first two albums of Stone Temple Pilots over the first two albums of Pearl Jam. They're better. Oh, I don't know about that. They're better. No, that's not true. Versus is Look, a good album. Just, Versus is a good album, but it's not as good as Ten. Um, ten has better, ten. Ten's better, but but core is better than ten. You, look at it. You got plush, creep, dead and bloated, sex type thing, wicked garden, where the river goes, and cracker man. Those are all awesome songs from this album. Do you know? Do you remember? And these are all weird songs, but here's um, here's dead and bloated. Like you remember this one? Yeah, and then creep. You know, this is a beautiful song. This is the best song now. I mean, when yeah. you hear these all back at once, I, I, I'm starting to kind of fear your opinion so there a little bit. I take that over once, even flow alive. Why go black? Jeremy Garden porch. Those yes. are some of the, those are some good songs on there. But I take this album over ten. I just think Jeremy's such a is a good great song. song. But yeah, I I'm I not, hear you. I mean, I'm not high on on either. I said that this isn't the best of either group. though. we're kind of I, in my opinion. I know maybe I'm going against the people typically people say 10, 10 is yeah. is the best. Yeah. For me, it's not. Uh, for me, Yield is their best album. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna, you know, I, I just, I, I'm not, like, it's, I don't, I can't really fight the fight too much because I don't, I don't really think either album is that great. I just, but also just, I'm, it's nothing against either band. They both are really good bands. I'm just tired of that sound. Yeah, I like this one a lot better than Ten now. But I mean, I like Pearl Jam so much. Be- like Pearl Jam's library is so much better than STP's library. I mean, yeah, it's like we, not even comparable. I mean, we've talked about that before because we, would we do Daughter? We did. We did yeah. something. I think it was Daughter. And Daughter's a good song. Yeah. They do have some good songs. But I, I, Vitology and I didn't really like. And, I don't like later Pearl Jam. It just didn't. He just. But they you got also some, admitted you didn't really hear a lot of later Pearl Jam. We covered them on the, on the show. True. That's true. It's because the stuff that I heard, I was like, oh, this is super simple. Like they didn't really develop very much. Where I find that Stone Temple Pilots is a lot more intricate in how they write. Way more interesting. Like this. This is a dead and bloated song. Weird phrasing, awesome guitar tone, great musicians, all of them. I mean, I like, I think Pearl Jam, ha- I think they're very good, especially when it's Chamberlain on on drums in the first album. Um, great guitar playing from Gossard and I can't remember the, the other guy who's a, uh, and Vedder's got a great voice, but I actually think if you compare them, Waylon's got a better voice. The guitar player is oh, better from whoa. he does. Yeah, he has a better voice than Eddie Better. Oh, he does. So, that's, yeah, yeah, that's he does. He's got and he's got like a lot more range uh, and abilities, and he writes better lyrics. He bite. He actually writes well, better. He doesn't write all this stuff. Well, no, he writes better. Better, uh, better melodies. Yeah, was, Let me what? ask you a question. Yeah, yeah. On, on Wheeland, you got you have three selections here. You, you make one at pick one of these three. Yeah. You get a private concert. Wheeland, Chris Cornell, or Vetter. I take Cornell when he's young. I think uh, on. Any day, I, I love Cornell. I, I think sound, of the three Soundgarden's, the best, or the most interesting, uh, the best writing. But I, but he get he burns out very young. He starts yeah. to sound really bad towards the end. But it, but early, uh, Chris, Chris Cornell, I'd take him. What, what do you think? I, I mean, I'm partial to Cornell as well. But like, I will say with Stone Temple Pilots, and maybe you know, I know you guys are way more versed in them than me. If I'm in, like, looking at grunge or alt-rock, like, I'm not searching them out. Like, if you hear this song on the radio, yeah. I'm singing along. I like it. I'm, I'm bouncing with it a little bit. But it's not like one of those things where I'm searching out Stone Temple Pilots. They were a good band. I, this is a great song. I get hype hearing it. Is it one that I'm searching out? No, not really. I would say I would have said the same thing. I You know, we lived through the grunge phase, so I kind of got over it and moved on. But... Looking back and listening to this album again, I was like, "Holy shit! This is a really like pretty fresh album for that time. It sounds really good." 
with some really good writing. So I will go back and listen. Uh, more than I would go back to 10. I mean, 10. I feel, uh, part I, of that is I just spun that so much. I feel bad. I'm kind of angry at you uh, a little bit. Like, <laughs> well, cause I, oh, that's different. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what else is doing? <laughs> fucking day in the life with you. Yeah. Well. Uh, I, I don't want to pit Pearl Jam against STP. I really like both it's bands happening. a lot. Well, it's, it's a dumb argument. Not a dumb nah, argument. I don't like it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? They were compared. They're into, they, the first well, part of their... Con- I mean, Stone Temple Pilots flamed out because Waylon has a drug problem. Nirvana and Pearl Jam were compared. Not re- Not as much. They, are you fucking kidding no, me? Were, they, okay, were you alive yes. in the 90s? Yes, were comp- yes they were compared of who's better. But Stone Temple Pilots was always considered a knockoff of Pearl no, Jam. They were just in that lower it was like tier. baby brother of, of, uh, no, of Pearl Jam. That, they were in that next tier where they're competing against other bands like Soundgarden and it kind of that next rung. But like Pearl Jam and Nirvana at the time were held to a different esteem. Yeah, in terms of album sales and stuff, of course. Yes, but, and but if I look back critically, and, yes. critically though, Stone Temple Pilots is better than both of them. If I look back, yes, they are. I mean, I mean outside really of Cobain, the only person I'm picking is Lane Staley, Allison Chains. Lane's great too. Yeah. Lance they had a band. lot of hits, man. And, yeah. Right, and Alice in Chains was a you know a band I would put more on STP scale than Nirvana. Really? Nirvana Pearl Jam is like uh, we're talking about Magic popularity. I mean, it's not. It's not. But you're talking about popularity. It's different. That's related to Bronx Tale. Bro- yeah. it, STP is a Bronx Tale. Nirvana's Goodfellas. See, I don't really. I like. Yeah, I, that's fair. Nirvana's like okay. That. To me, I saw Nirvana. Whoa. Like, I, I like. Oh, they're just okay. okay. Yeah, wow. I think his writing's okay. I mean, he can't sing. His lyrics are okay. The songs are okay. I mean, none of them are good players besides, of course, uh, what's the face drummer? Um, Grohl. Of course, Grohl yeah. is like a, is amazing. Wow, that's a wild take. You say Kurt Cobain can't sing. He can't. I mean, he can't hit pitch. He has a hard time singing. Yeah. I mean, look, look at, listen to like the, uh, I, actually one thing that did come up is the MTV Unplugged at this era was fucking off the charts awesome. It really it was is. Great. Some of the best stuff. So, ever. so good. Fucking awesome. So good. I mean, Nirvana, he, you the thing I like about Nirvana and that unplugged is how intimate it is, how like how insecure he is, how scared he yeah. is, but they still do a good job. The Pearl Jam is iconic. That was the first my, I think that was probably my first real introduction to Pearl Jam was seeing that unplugged and being like, Can Holy we just fuck. say that that's probably the, some of the best stuff MTV's ever yeah. put out, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, even like I mean, the Natalie Merchant stuff, like yeah. you know, it, it doesn't matter what the genre was. They they I mean Jay Z did unplugged. It was very good. I'm sure. Yeah. Matt doesn't like Jay-Z. I do. I think he's okay. Matt. He's better with other people. Like that gray album. You know I love that album. Yeah. And you know the, the stuff with Kanye. He's my number love. one, so. You, uh, yeah, good. He's all right. Good for you. Don't, yeah, Matt's. Not as good as Buster. But, uh. Matt likes Buster Rhymes more than Jay-Z. I said he's a better case. rapper. I said he's a better rapper, and he is. But. Well, I've had, I had some kid the other, you know, a few months ago tell me that, uh. I don't know, Little Yachty or somebody is is better than Jay Z ever was. Well, I don't know. I've heard Little Yachty all. is, but Me either. Uh, <laughs> what a shock! <laughs> oh, you know Little Yachty? No. He's, he's your favorite. No, he's your no, second I favorite to Jay Z. Exactly. I, I, I don't know who he is. But then also Stone Temple. I was watching the MTV Unplugged Stone Temple Piles. Awesome. I mean, they were all he did so one. I didn't good. Even know that. Oh, it's I so good. I, I, would, oh, I didn't know that. I would, uh, it yeah, is, the mu- they did ninety three a, a year after uh, Pearl Jam, but it, it's so good. That's why I'm a little annoyed because SDP has some great musicians, which the the Rio Brothers, and they're the ones yeah. that wrote this song. Yeah. Um, but they and we uh, Wayland both kind of like shared the writing duties. Yeah. And uh, you know, the three of them made some really great music. STP, I said, I, Tiny Music to me is is one of my favorite albums of that decade it's yeah. a really good album you're exactly right with the leo brothers uh particularly the i don't remember which one is, is the guitar player i love him as a guitar player and i love his guitar tone his amp his guitar sound his distortion sound is iconic it's some of the best of that of that time period so awesome 
Um, but yeah, I think uh, that's how I feel about it. I think this is a very good song. Very good song. Not, not their best on this album, no. but I'm hoping that we'll get to some of the good other Good song. Maybe not very good. I'll say good song. It's a good song. Yeah. yeah. This is very 90s. Very 90s Super song. 90s. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, so, uh, Jeff, what were you doing in 1993? I was a kid. I was a kid way older than I was. Well, great. I, was always a very, I was always a very mature little tyke. I was five years old. Oh, you okay. So you're, you're a lot I'm younger a kid. than us. Okay. But I was very... When I tell you I was the most mature five-year-old, I was I was watching Sopranos by age ten. I mean, I was pretty. So you were smoking yeah. camels, reading porno <laughs> mags at five. Yeah, I didn't watch that. Over there? I didn't watch that crap on TV. I was watching <laughs> the news and stuff like that. Uh, so you were going in. So where were you? What state were you in? Like, where, like where? Where uh, were Pennsylvania. you? Pennsylvania. I was. I was okay. right in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, I, and I remember, like I said, when I was a kid, I worked for my father. My father's in the construction business, yeah. and. We would always have the radio on when we were at work. And like I said, we had a radio station that only played like alternate 90s and 2000 rock, 2000s rock. Yeah. So I'd always hear all this stuff. And it, you know, it always, it, be, it always is nostalgic to me, you know, hearing this stuff. So uh, you, you to me are like a real Philly guy. Like, uh, at least, you know, from my, you know, listening to the Mafia podcast and just talking part. to you and stuff. You seem like a, were you, did you live in Philadelphia as a kid? Were you like in the suburbs more or? I, I live, I lived in the suburbs. I actually have, I've lived in Philadelphia though as well. I lived right in South Philly, uh, right up Broad Street. Basically, I spent a lot of my late teenagers there. Uh, so really when I kind of matured a little bit, that's kind of when I was there. But I've, you know, when we were kids, we always had a house at the shore, Jersey Shore. Yeah. And when I was really young, most of my neighbors growing up, you know, we all kind of we're, we're all from the same area, Philly area. So, you know, when you're from this area, it's it's kind of all one, you know, and, and I did obviously live in the city as well. So, uh, but yeah, I, would I say rock music is my number one? No, but I have these moods where I just get into them. So. What's what's what are your genre? What do you like to listen to? Oh, you got well, Biggie behind you. <laughs> Well, obviously, hip hop, you know, yeah. really hardcore rap is, is my big thing. But, you know, when I was, you know, my teenage years, I, I was actually a big techno house guy. A uh, lot of, you know, going to clubs and um, DJs that aren't even around anymore. You know, they're, they're, they're old at this point. But, um, yeah, I have a lot of different moods. I also love like jazz, you know, mm-hmm. as I get older, you know, like just old school jazz. And I could listen to Pavarotti occasionally. A little Pavarotti, too. I have, nice. a, I have a wide uh, arcing music uh, taste. That's good. I, I mean, I think that you can find pretty, you can find good music in every genre, pretty much There's every no genre. There's no country, no country. Well, it's, but then you could say you could like some Willie Nelson or Manny Black and Johnny Cash. I guess, yeah, you know what? Hurt is actually a terrific song. Yeah, that cover. Those albums are great. Yeah, the, the, the American. Yeah. Uh, who was that? Um, oh, what's the producer? Oh, I can't remember. It wasn't Ruben, was it? Yeah, it was. It was Rick Ruben. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're very really good. good. Yeah, Rick he, Ruben. He's about as all over the place in music as I know. you can get. Yeah, I know. Real quick story about Ruben. He was involved with the Black Album by Jay Z. You mentioned. I think you mentioned. Yeah, the yeah. Gray Album. Yeah, 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 yeah. the, the yeah. mashup. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned one of them. Yeah, yeah. I the first concert I ever went to, two thousand three. I told my mother and father I was going to a friend's house to stay overnight. It was a Friday night. Me and a friend got on a train from the city I'm in now. Went to Penn Station, got off, went into the garden, and saw Jay Z. Two thousand three, Fade the Black tour. Yeah. Rick Rubin was integral on that album. It was the best concert I've ever been to. It'll be the best concert I ever go to. Uh, and that was when Jay Z decided he was gonna retire. Yeah, that was his retiring right, right, right. Uh, final concert in the garden. It was uh, it was the most memorable night of my teenage years. My parents never found out until I told them years later. I was gonna say we might as well just tell them now. 
I did. I All told right. them recently. They yeah. didn't care. They no. didn't care. <laughs> I made memories. Yeah. That's a pretty I didn't good get one. in trouble. Uh, what was going on in 1983 so, this time? Uh, actually, funny enough, um, this was the two-day battle of Mogadishu. We just did Black Hawk Down on, uh, mm. what was last, that, last week, last right? Week, yeah. Last Patreon. Yep. So, uh, you know, for the people who didn't hear the, the Patreon, but this American oh, wow. Special Forces went to capture a warlord in, in Mogadishu. Um, the, uh, what was that guy? It's like, uh, it's like Adid? Yes, um, Muhammad Adid. Muhammad Adid. He was, he's basically starving, starving the people. And so the UN forces came in to try to provide food, and he was stealing that food and, you know, hoarding it for himself and basically starving his people. So U.S. For- Special Forces went in to try to take him and uh, and everything went awry. Two days siege. Like they basically had to fight the entire city. Something like 17, 18, America, 19 Americans, 19 died. Americans died. A thousand Somalians <laughs> died, but they still never got a D until years, three until, years later. Wait until years until later. 96, I think. Right. Uh, so, yeah, these got all fucked up. And then Clinton pulls out the troops the next two week? weeks later or yeah. two weeks later yeah exactly um, so the whole thing was really almost like fruitless so that was uh that started october 3rd and it was uh two two days of of absolute hell um and then the other thing is october on october 4th a political this is weird i didn't remember that this happened a political standoff in russia occurred between boris yeltsin the president at the time and the parliament and basically um he yeltsin was into radical uh like basically ripped the band-aid off of communism and let's just go radical capitalism as best as we can, like remove the regulations. But what ended up happening is you saw huge inflation, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, you had to uncover all of the, like the decay of communism for 50 years, 60 years of communism. So that decay was happening. You had rampant inflation, people's salaries were going down and you had these, these, this is actually very similar to what happened in Spain a few years ago in Catalina, where you had rich sections of Russia, of USSR, Russia, who were kind of subsidizing all the poor regions. And so you had all this like fractionalization. People are trying or think are threatening to leave uh, Russia and you got parliament um, at odds with Yeltsin. And they're both trying to seize power from each other until finally Yeltsin basically surrounds parliament with the army and um, 140 people die. Uh, and uh, he basically takes control. I had a question for you. How yeah. bad do you think Boris Yeltsin's fart smell? Real bad. Yeah, I bet. Right. Yeah. Cause he's, 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 big guy. he's quite the, he's, he was quite the teddy bear. Boris was he? Was he a nice big guy? guy yeah. He seemed very yeah, big guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. He's kind of jovial, you know, if you've ever seen him. I think he drank himself to death, actually. I'm not surprised. Yeah, that's why, uh, that's my theory is that his farts probably smell real bad. I don't know if that's you have a take, Jeff. Not a bad, that's not a bad guess, possibly. Yeah. Do you guys want some mob history in 1993? Oh, yeah. Oh, you got of course. It. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, Pablo Escobar was killed. Uh, he's not a mobster, but he's a drug lord. He was yeah. killed in. December 2nd, 1992. Carlos Mochello, one of the biggest mob bosses in the history of this country. Uh, he was the New Orleans boss. He died in 1992 as well. Uh, and one other one. This is kind of close to me, close yeah. to my, my culture. Um, the famous Rudai organization was created. That was a Albanian, uh, uh, drug gang and, and mob, mafia organization. They, uh, actually were one, at one point in New York called the Six Family. They were so powerful. Hmm. Um, they were an Albanian group. They're all in jail now, but, uh, being Albanian, I always kind of, uh, relate to them but yeah there was some little mob history and carlito's way was actually released in 1993 yeah, as well to go along with bronx tale which i like as well as a i hope we yeah. get that the cool thing about hitting bronx tale with you jeff was uh this movie only made 17 million in the box right. office usually because of the nature of our show we do things that are in top 10 usually we're doing more blockbusters so it's nice to do a smaller acquired movie like this uh 
Curly this way, obviously, Tom, but not a smaller film, but it's not a huge, like, not Lord of the Rings. No. So it'd be nice when we, I like when we hit those kind of movies. Yeah, yeah. And I love hitting, hitting I was actually really surprised it didn't do that well in the box office. I mean, you got a lot of talent there, and you got De Niro directing. Well, no one knew who Chaz Momentary was yet, though. I guess not. And he obviously became an Academy Award nominated actor. Yeah. You know, he was top buying some films by the end of the 90s, but by that point, no one, no one knew he was. I guarantee I if you release this in movie theaters now, one time, you go see it, they'd make $17 million for sure. They'd make some money. Uh, this movie definitely has a cult following. I mean, yeah. it helped, oh, you know, yeah. it was really obviously got a huge cable run. And then just, it was just a high quality movie that people, it just took time for them to find it. Last thing that happened, uh, October 6th, Michael Jordan hangs it up for the first time uh, after winning uh, three um, three NBA champions championships. Uh, goes to play baseball, as we know, comes back in, in 1995. So, Which was uh, fucked up because if you remember uh, 1993, uh, the White Sox were in the LCS against the Blue Jays. And uh, so the White Sox hadn't been to the LCS since 1983. Mm. And it was, you know, people were really excited. And then that very week is the week when Jordan says he retires. So everyone in Chicago, all the White Sox fans who were feeling this great high, were just like smashed down. Like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, so, and then of course the White Sox lose that playoff series. So it was a rough week for Chicago. Tough week. Yeah. Yeah, but Jordan's come, Jordan comes back, wins three more. Yeah, so. They didn't know that then, Matt. They didn't? They couldn't out. see the future? <sighs> Shut up. Uh, uh, Jeff, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Yeah, uh, Jeff. The sit down, um, a mafia history podcast. Go check that out. Highly I, recommend. Really it. Yes. good. Very good. Uh, very, definitely very good. check it out. Anyone you suggest starting with, Jeff? Are you kind of just popping anywhere? No, that's the thing about the show. You can listen to anyone. You can listen to today's, and then you can go listen to another one. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end to every episode. So, uh, yeah, it, it's plus it never really. You don't ever have to listen to it at any certain time. You can listen to it whenever. So, yeah, uh, check out. I'm, I'm going to make a suggestion. To if mouth. you're a movie fan you like, and you like good, you love Goodfellas like I do, yeah. uh, start with the Jimmy the Gem one. That one is awesome. I learned so much about this character. Jimmy, uh, you know, Jimmy Conway in the movie, It's not that's not his real name, right, Jeff? You said, you said it was a different... No, his, his, real, his real, real name, name is Jimmy, Jimmy Burke. Right. His real name Jimmy, is Jimmy Burke, yeah. But you said... Uh, but no, his, when, he, when he was born, his name uh, it was Jimmy Conway. He was actually... Mm. Dropped off his mother, two years old, or I think two days old. He was dropped off on a on an adoption uh, step, and he he met these people years later called the Burks, and he took their last name. So yeah, so like stuff like that that I had no idea about. Uh, I've seen Goodfellas a thousand times. I've never I never knew this stuff, so it was really cool to kind of get this peek behind the curtain of this real guy. Same thing with Bulger when you got the Departed and you got Black yeah. Mass and you got all that stuff, and you know, but. Uh... Yeah, it's funny. Bulger's actually been in the news the last week or so. I don't know if you guys have saw, but uh-uh. uh, yeah, real real quick. Sammy Gravano called him out, and he brought all this stuff to light about Whitey Bulger. Some real wild stuff. But there's still a lot of mob stuff going on. A lot of a lot of these guys have YouTube channels now, and they're talking about things. And now there's the, the guy that killed Bulger says that yeah. he shouldn't be in solitary because. He's not gotten charges brought against him. And I heard you talk about that. Yeah, yeah, he's like, he's, he hasn't been charged. He's complaining about it. He's been, and they put petitions out and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, yeah go check the show out. Check Even out. today's show, an evil guy. If you like evil people and just all that kind of stuff, check it out. Cool. Awesome. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. That was, that was awesome. Uh, and uh, we'll be back uh, on t- Sunday. Tomorrow. Uh, Demolition Man. Demolition Man. And uh, next week we are back with Tootsie because we're going to the 80s. Early 80s. Yeah, 83, right? Yeah, and uh, Patreon show next week will be the verdict. So a lot of stuff coming on. Yeah, thanks.